Welcome to the Live Peaceably Podcast. I'm Lionel Sims, Minister of the Northside Church of Christ. And I'm Camille Lewis, Licensed Mental Health Therapist. And here we talk about the practical side of faith and what it means to live peaceably. Thanks for listening. We hope you enjoy. Good evening. And I say good evening because we are on Instagram live on this episode of our podcast, Live Peaceably. And we thank God for your contribution to this conversation by listening. So um, we're glad that you're tuning in today. And I again want to welcome my co-host, Camille. Hey, y'all. Happy to be here still. Our therapist, uh, resident therapist, if that makes sense <laughs> to some degree, um, who continuously uh, contributes to this conversation on the Live Peaceably podcast uh, in ways that help me and I know help you. Uh, so we want to thank you so much for your contribution. Um, if you're new to the podcast, if you're just listening in for the first time, uh, we do the Live Peaceably podcast uh, every week, every other week, excuse me, release it by monthly. And um, we just try to open the door to conversations about God in a very practical way, considering our faith and lifestyle and figuring out what moves we can make, what thoughts we can think, what things we have to consider that help us uh, live a life that reflects the peace of God. And so in our conversations, we hope that there's somebody that hears something randomly, maybe, or even if you just listen intentionally and consistently, um, we just really hope that somebody is listening that can benefit from this. So um, I want to, as we begin, open us up in a word of prayer. Uh, so if you guys would pray with me, let us pray. Our Lord and our God, we are eternally grateful for everything that you continue to do, Father. The things that you've done in the past, I mean, are, are incalculable, Father, but also the things that you continue to do and that you have promised to do, Father, we're just overwhelmed with. So, Lord, this evening, we thank you for blessing us with this opportunity to even have dialogue uh, concerning the matters of the heart, concerning peace, concerning your word, concerning your character, concerning our lifestyles. And we're asking that it be of benefit to somebody in some way, shape or form. We ask your blessings. We ask your guidance. We ask your help in Jesus name. Amen. Amen. So in um, our past conversations, we've kind of been opening up the door to, um, uh, I'd say, the religious end of our, our faith more. Um, you know, usually in the past, we've kind of talked about uh, personal approaches to just life in general. And I want to reopen that door and uh, walk about down that road and open up a conversation about the reality of anxiety in life. Um, I've always had a strange relationship with it biblically, uh, in you know, in, in contrast to reality, because it's one of those things where it's like the Bible says don't do it, but like, <laughs> yeah, how can you not? Kind of, yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's really hard, especially because we don't see anxiety or worry the way we see other or the way we see sins. I'll say that. Um, when we consider that, we just kind of consider it a part of the human experience. We don't necessarily consider it something that's uh, that's eternally harmful. Um, and, and, and I understand that and reasonably so. But I do want to get into a conversation about anxiety. And just so we can narrow it down and be specific in understanding, uh, I want to get your perspective or experience with or just thoughts on, you know, whatever stage of thoughts you're on with anxiety um, I, I, I want to know what, where you're at with that. Cause I know that you deal with that conversation, uh, a lot, that's a lot. A big, that's a big question yeah. to ask the therapist here, but okay. If this I'm going to just grab my Gatorade and chill. <laughs> so you want to know my thoughts on anxiety in general? 
I want to know your thoughts on anxiety as it pertains to people of faith. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I think that we, uh, for a long time shot away from the subject, from talking about anxiety, uh, in church spaces or in, in spiritual spaces because the Bible says, don't worry. Uh, and so then it, it, anxiety came with a certain type of shame and it's almost like, well, I can't tell nobody that I'm nervous or worried or anxious because we're not supposed to be. And does that mean that I'm not a good Christian? And then that, that I think kind of fed into the whole, you show up with the smile on your face, no matter what. And we've kind of talked about that before and whether or not we're being authentic. But I do think that shying away from uh, the topic of anxiety or from being open about it has absolutely contributed to inauthentic relationships. So I'm really glad that we're having this conversation. And let me also say that I've never met a human being who has not dealt with anxiety. Everybody feels it on, on some level. That's how we keep ourselves safe. You know, like everybody has a fight or flight, like you need to know if you're in a dangerous situation. And so, uh, those feelings of anxiety or nervousness, that's, that's what it's telling you in those moments. I think from a biblical perspective, uh, or the, the, the way that I understand it now, at least is when your worry causes you to lose faith or belief in God, when your worry leads to doubt is when we're in the, the, the realm of sin. I, I don't think that God is telling us you should never be nervous about anything. You should just always be easygoing and never have any worries. I don't think that's, that's what he was asking of us at all. I think it's when your worry is the biggest thing, when your worry is bigger than uh, the faith and anxiety is, is fear-based really, you know, and, and, and for a lot of us at the root of it is a fear of the unknown. We worry about the future, what's going to happen. We think about worst case scenario because we just don't know. And that's where uh, kind of fixating on that type of worry I think can lead to sin because that type of worry will cause you to rely on your own devices. We think that we can control the future by, by doing whatever we can think of in that moment. And, um, that's how I think we get in the way sometimes of what God is actually trying to do in our life. So if we lean into our worry, if we trust our worry, or if we trust our fears more than we trust God, then I think we're in, we're, we're in the danger zone. But, um, Everybody feels anxiety. Everybody gets anxious. Uh, and um, I don't think that it means, I don't think that it automatically means that you don't trust God if you're worried about anything and you should never be worried about anything at all. I think there are plenty of examples uh, of people in the Bible worrying. I'm thinking about um, mm. uh, about Isaac and when he was like, where's Joseph? Where's my son? Like very much worried about where's his son. So it's unrealistic to feel like we're going to walk this earth with all of the chaos and with all of the hateful things that we come in. It's, it's not realistic to think that we're going to be here for as long as we're here and never have a, a worry in the world. But it's, what do you do with that worry? Do you trust the worry more than you, more than you trust God, more than you trust him to move you through this situation or through this circumstance? Does that worry uh, make it, difficult or impossible for you to uh, be in fellowship with others because you're too concerned about their perception of you or what other people are going to think. Does that worry cause you to uh, rely on your own devices or to try to come up with your own solutions rather than surrendering everything to God and taking taking it to him? So I think it's more about 
your relationship with worry or anxiety more than it is about like, should we be anxious? Because that, 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 that's a moot point. You can't just say, don't be anxious anymore. Okay. Thanks for letting me. Now I'm not anxious no more. It, it simply don't work that way. So we have to be realistic about it. That was great. Oh, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I, <laughs> like the way you framed it is just so, I mean, honestly, I, I, I found two new directions as you were talking, not new directions as far as different directions, but new two new ways to deepen the conversation just based okay. off of what you were explaining. So, yeah, thank you so much for all of that and all that perspective, um, because <laughs> sure. I think you tapped into something really specific and really important when it comes to understanding the experience of anxiety. And that's the difference between the feeling of anxiety versus the characteristic of anxiety. Because mm-hmm. if you feel anxious, that's a mood. That's almost an emotional response to something. And there's not a mm-hmm. point in the Bible where God regulates our emotions like that. And so when right. it gets to that point when you have a feeling, just like when you feel angry and your body starts to heat up, it's like you're having a physiological response to an emotion. And so when it comes to anxiety, there's that physical response to the feeling of worry or terror even, you know, um, but there's also the reality that you live in spiritually that requires you to lean on God uh, um, in in, in all circumstances, no matter what, and in spite of. And so talking Mm -hmm. about anxiety from the perspective of it caused me to doubt God is different from talking about it from the perspective of I felt something. And Mm -hmm. so, yeah, with that frame or that, with that, with that, with that, uh, framework in our mind, um, where would you take the conversation or where would you take the the uh, encouragement, I say, about anxiety or anxious people? Where would you direct them um, now when it comes to understanding the emotion of anxiety and managing that? How would you, you know, say, because I mean, the feeling of anxiety, I think is what a lot of people deal with off top of, if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. You know, it's of the course. moments when it's just like, I don't know, you know, if my paycheck is going to cover all my bills this month, that kind of thing. And so there's mm-hmm. that feeling of when your body gets kind of, you know, shaky and you get a little nervous. It's just like, how do you manage that without feeling guilty for having that experience? Yeah, well, there are lots of different ways to, to manage anxiety. That's a whole other conversation. And we can talk about coping and mindfulness and all of that. But the part of this that I think is really important is is the guilt. And I think uh, that a lot of times, especially as Christians, we feel we do feel guilty about uh, really having any negative feelings, right? And this is maybe a bigger conversation about how we deal with the emotional side of things in uh, spiritual spaces. But the first way to, to, to deal with the guilt is, I, I think, acceptance of the fact that this is just a part of the human experience. If uh, it, God wouldn't have given us the capacity to experience the full spectrum of human emotion if he didn't expect us to experience the full spectrum of human emotion. So and also because we have very little control over how we feel. It's not about how you feel. It's what you do with that feeling. It's the the behaviors that take it somewhere else. Feelings are are fleeting and momentary. All of them are, right? So yes, you feel anxious in this moment. So remembering that it's just in this moment, this is what I'm feeling. Accepting the fact that this is what I'm feeling in this moment. Because it's when you try to avoid it or you try to deny the fact that you feel it is when we get into a space of uh, self-sabotage and, and, you know, maladaptive things. So... I, I always encourage uh, acceptance of, of just where you are and your emotional experience. But also, especially as we're talking um, about, uh, we're talking about it in, in the context of, uh, of, of our faith and how, how it deals with that, 
just like we take everything else to God, you take that to him as well. So it doesn't need to be separate. It doesn't need to be my feelings are over here and God is over here. That's not it at all. It's actually when we can uh, acknowledge that both coexist and that leaning into your faith can maybe help you to regulate some of those feelings that leaning into your faith might make the anxiety a little bit less intense or a little bit more fleeting and they might you know leave a little bit quicker anxiety lingers because we overthink and we're thinking and thinking and thinking and thinking and all we're really doing is thinking about the bad stuff that could potentially happen but bad stuff could happen like anytime, really. And this is where it comes into, are you leaning more into your anxiety or into your faith? Because if you're spending all of your time and energy thinking about the bad things that might happen, then where is God in that? He's, he's, he's not, not in that thought process at all. So take those moments to invite him into it. So if you can acknowledge in that moment, I'm feeling really anxious right now. That's the perfect time to pray. It's a perfect time to invite God into it and invite him into your anxiety. We don't even need to invite him because he's already there. He's in those you know, it's funny because we try to hide certain things from God and we try to separate them, yeah. but he's already there. He's already in in your anxiety with you. So that's a moment to tap into that resource. Say, God, I'm, I'm, I'm really anxious right now. And, uh, you know, help me to, uh, I want to surrender all of this to you or, you know, help me to in- increase my faith or give me peace in this moment. It's a normal part of the human experience. I think that we really need to um, remove the taboo from anxiety and from feeling nervous about things. Things make you nervous. Like life is a really intense place to be. Like we feel things here. There there there's stuff, you know? So we have to I think remove the the taboo from it. Uh, and just be able to acknowledge like I'm not feeling completely comfortable here about with this topic or in this space right now. I'm feeling a little bit shaky here. That that's that's really what it means. So maybe we need to use different words or use different language, but it's the experience that that we can all relate to and that God knew we were going to feel. I think that's why he put it in the Bible about don't worry. Not because he didn't expect us to, but because it has the potential to eclipse everything else. It has the potential to eclipse logic and anything else. So I think it's more of a cautionary thing like don't let this worry become bigger than it actually is or actually needs to be. And it feels so big. And when we think about like worst case scenario and all the things that we're concerned about and worried about, it feels so real when you think about it. Oh no, I made a mistake. They're, my boss is going to, my boss is going to know they're going to call me to the office. Oh, she called me to her yeah. office. I'm getting fired for sure. Got to be getting fired. She must've seen the typo I made in my email last week. And and the, the CEO was on that email thread. And so now I made her look dumb. So I got to be getting fired. There's no, and it just goes and goes. And that feels so real to us in the moment when we're thinking of it. That feels so, so real. So what else is real though? Is that the only thing that's real? Is that the only thing that's real for you in that moment? If so, then I can understand why, why you're, you're so fearful of it. But God is also real in that moment. So where is he? So sometimes maybe we have to, we, we have to be intentional about including God in the conversation about our anxiety, but because we feel that shame and we feel like, fe- like feeling anxious is a sin, then we feel like we can't even talk to him about it because we shouldn't be feeling it in the first place. So that added, le- that added layer of shame actually creates more distance between you and God when you're feeling anxious, when it really doesn't need to. (laughs) 
I'm gonna just keep the ball rolling. Um, <laughs> you opened up a conversation about anxiety. I'm you so yeah, like I'm I'm honestly I'm honestly overwhelmed. Uh, the different avenues, like that 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 this is just. I mean, I'm uh, thank you. I appreciate it because sure. everything that you're everything that you're saying, I think is just it's 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 helpful in such a practical way that mm-hmm. it's is invaluable. So yeah, but when it comes to this whole idea of. Um, of, of managing your anxiety, I think that like as you're talking, I'm noticing that there's a point in a lot of our experience where it's not just the emotion of fear or the emotion of anxiety versus the character of anxiety. It's that point when you cross over from emotion to character. Hmm. And so it's like, at what point does the thing that I'm feeling become a part of how I'm living? And mm-hmm. so if it becomes a part of how I'm living, I think I've stepped into an area to where I've now allowed that to determine how I view God, how I view my situation, and how I view everything around me, rather than just accept the fact that I'm having an emotion that I can manage and deal with, and that's actually going to help me. And so when you talked about inviting God into the experience, into the emotion, I was just thinking, like, I don't know what's in us that requires us to just retreat to within when it comes to having to deal with life. Like, I know... Actually, no, I I do understand why we would, but at the same time, it's like when it comes to God, who we believe to be in, you know, a a omniscient and omnipotent and omnipresent force, Mm -hmm. it's like, how do we even muster the perspective to try to hide a part of our experience from God? Um, It's like, at what point do you think God is not in your thoughts? You know what I mean? Right. It's right. like, at what point do you think God is like, like you, I, he knows your shoulder is shaking. He feels it too. So, you know, it's like, mm-hmm. it's like everything that you're feeling, not only does he know it is, is, is God aware of it, but God is also, was also there before it happened. And so right. when it comes down to just managing that experiencing and managing that experiencing and understanding that, you know, sometimes I just feel anxious. I think that it speaks to the entirety of everything that we feel that starts as a feeling and transitions mm-hmm. into a characteristic. And because we don't present our feelings, then we don't know how to manage it. So it explodes into mm-hmm. a characteristic. And that's, I think, the path that we need to be walking down and the conversations that need to, we need to be having is, why don't I feel like I can put my feeling forward or my thoughts forward or my, my, my mood or whatever I'm experiencing right now? Why don't I feel like I can lay that at the hands of God? Why don't I feel like I can just bring God into everything I'm experiencing? Why do I feel like I have to keep things from God and then present myself to God? You know, why does, why, where did that, that system of reciprocity come from? from to where I believe that about myself it's and and it's just like I it feels like it appeared out of thin air it's just like it's spiritually not logical in no way does it help our relationship with God in any facet and on top of that it's like God is inviting the experience he wants to share that experience so that he can take away the burden you know Mm -hmm. it's like when you're sharing something with a kid or actually not the kid but like um uh, when you're sharing something with, with, with birds in the park, let's use that example, and you go over there and you keep the bird food in your hand for mm-hmm. a second, you wait there and you wait there and you wait there and they never come. And I think when we wait and they never, or when we wait with the, with the food in our hand, of course, and they never come, um, we start thinking that, you know, they just may not want food from us. And it's just like, that's not, it's not that they don't want food. It's just, that's not how they share. You get what I'm saying? And so when it comes to us, I believe that we want to share, but sharing with God isn't our preferred method of sharing. You, does that make you sense? know what I think it, it, it does, but, and somebody said in the comments exactly what I was thinking, which is um, shame and the element of shame. 
And the fact that we cannot be open and vulnerable with people, we carry that into our relationship with God. We interact with human beings every single day. We interact with human beings more than we interact with God, probably. And that's kind of hard to say, but when you think about it, right, the fact that we have to invite God into these spaces, invite God into all of that, but there are people around us all the time. And interacting with people and human relationships is really difficult. And there's a lot of shame that that it's, it's in our relationships, especially surrounding these kinds of topics. And so that's where we learn it from. It didn't come out of thin air. It came from people. And it came from how we how we are with one another and are we open and accepting of one another's uh, emotional experiences. That's how we learn relationships and interaction. So we carry that into our relationships with God because that's just how we're used to being. And also if our perspective is God told me not to worry and now I'm worrying, it's like a kid. Like when you do something that you know you shouldn't do, you're trying to hide it from your parents. You got a bad report card. I'm not showing it to y'all. You, if, unless you like ask me for, it, but I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm trying, I don't want y'all to see it because I'm ashamed of it. And that's what it is with, with God as well. We carry shame in our relationships with God and there's really no room for it. That's, that actually keeps us further from him. Uh, when removing the shame would allow us to bring all of the burdens that we're ashamed of, bring them to him. But we carry that because I can't bring all my burdens to my homegirls. Or I can't bring all my burdens to my parents, you know, or to my family, right? Like maybe yeah. to some people I can bring different stuff or I can bring most of it, but like I can't, or, or, or I can bring it, but I know I'm gonna have to hear about it or I know I'm gonna see the judgment on your face, you know? Um, and we've talked about that in church relationships as well, but I think that's that's the piece of it that we carry into our relationship with God. And it's really, really sad because those, the things that make us feel shame, those those are the spaces where we need him the most, and those are the things that we feel like we can't bring to him. Hmm. Wow. Do you think sometimes we feel like we won't be welcomed back? I mean. Maybe, maybe. Hmm. You know, I honestly, I don't know if it's that or if it's fear of consequence. There's this whole, you know, picture of like big bad God and like the wrath and like you disobeyed me and now like plagues and, you know, 40 years or whatever. And maybe that's what it is where we we are fearful of consequence or of punishment uh, or of karma, you know. And so uh, we so we don't we don't want to tell him, which I mean, OK, you can't keep a secret from God, you know, like he, he already knows it. So then he's just watching you struggle through it, knowing I could help if you would just let me. But instead, he's, you know, watching you, watching you struggle. And I, I think we've talked before about, you know, the, the thought of like, you know, God having emotional experiences and like God is sad when I'm hurt and I won't let him help yeah. me. And it's it's probably heartbreaking for God to watch me in my struggle and to watch me let the shame overtake me, knowing that all I have to do is is bring it to him. You know. You know what I like and just so that we, 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 we keep it on the same line that we've been talking. Cause I mean, the, the way you were just demolishing anxiety, I don't want to step away from it at all. <laughs> uh, but when it comes to that experience specifically as it pertains to anxiety and bringing that to God, um, my, my, my concern, at least not just, just for other people, but for myself, um, my concern is often that if, if I acknowledge or if I admit that I'm anxious about something, then that is the indictment. You know mm -hmm. what I'm saying? Like that because I had the feeling that that feeling already violated my relationship with God. And now I don't know what to do. 
because mm-hmm. it's not like other temptations, you know, where you had a conscious decision to do something and then you did it. Now you feel guilty about it. It's not like that. It's just like anxiety just feels like sometimes it took over me. And now that mm-hmm. I have that feeling, it's like, well, how can I invite God into something when I'm already, you know, succumbing to it, or when I'm already feeling or experiencing it? But I believe that all of our faiths come with this element at its core of it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to be okay. I think that's part of probably the phrase that we battle our anxieties with the most is that it's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. You know, at, at our core, it's there. That's how I believe we keep anxiety from transitioning from a feeling to a characteristic, you know, to when we actually start doubting God, like we were talking about a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Um, but when you start talking about it's okay or it's going to be okay, um, well, first, before I go any further, like, does that is that fair to say like that? just that general idea of it's going to be okay. Is that what anchors your, is that what anchors your anxieties? Like, do you tell yourself that or is it just at its core? Is it that, or is it something else actually before I even move to the next step? I don't know if I necessarily use that, that phrase, but the, the concept that this feeling will not last forever probably is, is pretty comforting. But I think that, uh, saying I feel anxious is already, uh, a step in the right direction of managing the anxiety because what happens is we start to feel anxious about being anxious and it just builds and builds and builds and builds and builds. So by leaning into the shame that you feel, you're just inviting more anxiety. You know, like when you feel bad about feeling bad and surprise, surprise, it doesn't make you feel any better, you know? So, uh, assigning a connotation to a feeling I think is counterproductive. What I mean by that is I feel anxious and I shouldn't. I feel anxious and why do I? And I'm so mad about it. Like, and I shouldn't, and it's bad. And that means this, you know, or I shouldn't, I, I shouldn't be happy about this. I shouldn't be happy about this thing. I should feel like assigning a connotation, like saying it's good or bad that I feel this way. Right. That's just going to invite more of the negative feelings that you're trying to to get away from. You feel how you feel. That's a neutral fact. I feel hungry in this moment. And that is just how I feel. But it's, oh, I shouldn't feel hungry. I ate two hours ago and (laughs) you still hungry. (laughs) You know, like assigning that connotation to the feeling is only inviting more of what you're trying to get away from. Which is why I, I was saying earlier that acceptance is a really important tool in in dealing with anxiety and dealing with any any feeling, really any emotional experience. Acceptance is, is a is the first part of the acceptance and, and acknowledgement, because the opposite of that is suppression. And when you're trying to suppress it, it doesn't actually go anywhere, and you're just adding more and more and more on top of it. So I don't think we're being uh, as as helpful to ourselves in that moment as we feel like we are by feeling bad or telling myself I shouldn't feel this. That's not going to do anything because you do feel it. Saying you shouldn't, I always say should and shame go hand in hand. Saying I should or shouldn't, that's just inviting the shame. It's like, oh, I shouldn't feel anxious. And the fact that I do means that I am not good or it means that I'm a bad person or it means that I'm a faithless person. And you just are just packing on the shame unnecessarily because, and that doesn't get rid of the anxiety either. That just buries it under uh-huh. more negativity and, and the negativity that's self-directed, directed it at yourself. So then you get to a point where you feel like I'm not even worthy to come to God because I'm this person who, 
I'm this this person who uh, gets anxious and I'm you know and it is is a failure and doesn't you know uh, follow through on what I say I'm supposed to do and you know the worse you feel about yourself then you feel like you're not worthy to even bring it to God wow, and then that's yeah. just more and more distance. So many of us walk around with the disposition like we've already failed God. Yes. Absolutely. Like the disposition, not just the feeling. It's just written all over our faces. Yeah. And I feel like it, it, there's just so many parallels with the way you feel when your parent is disappointed in you. It's just mm-hmm. like, because when you feel like somebody just, for example, your parent, when you feel like your parent is disappointed in you, you don't know how to act. It's like mm-hmm. you kind of want to distance yourself as much as possible. And you want to Because hide. it's like be- being around them only makes you feel worse about yourself. And yeah. so now I can't even talk to my parents because talking to them is going to rise up shame in me. And I don't want the shame to rise up. So I got to stay away from people. Disappointment is terrifying. And when you feel that you're a constant disappointment to anybody, you just don't want to spend any time of any way around that person. Because it's not like, you know, you've already done the deed. You know, it's mm-hmm. always, you already feel that way. What happens already happened. You feel how you feel. And so mm-hmm. now that you already feel that way, it's like, well, well. The only way I can avoid feeling that way is to not be around you. Mm-hmm. And so now I'm going to avoid you. And it's like so many people, when they even talk about reconciling with God, say they've had a riff in their relationship with God, have a bad past with God. It's just like, even if they do have the consideration of the thought to turn to God with their issue or just lay it out to God, that barrier of shame mm-hmm. and anxiety, uh, just, yeah, that barrier of shame of, on any level is just enough to say, you know what? Mm-hmm. I don't even know where to start, mm-hmm. you know, and it's painful for people that are trying to establish genuine relationships with God, because if we're being honest, when it comes to our family life, like you were saying, like we experience a lot of those, those, those hangups really, really early, really early. And so like when we have our feelings hurt by our siblings, like people don't know how badly that affects them. When you mm-hmm. have somebody that you admire or somebody that you look up to just kind of speak negatively about your character, it's just like, mm-hmm. well, you were my hero. Now I feel bad about, yeah. you know, who I am as a person. It's just like, those are never opportunities for dialogues. We just kind of took those emotionally and ran with it. But at the same time, now that we're adults, it's like, we can't talk to ourselves like we're not somebody's child. We're still somebody's child. And mm-hmm. we still feel things about certain things. It's just like now as adults, it's... It's like we tell ourselves we shouldn't feel it, but in reality, mm-hmm. what we should be telling ourselves is that we know how to deal with it. And mm-hmm. I had no idea that that was the difference that I didn't make because I spent a lot of my adult life trying to tell myself what I shouldn't feel. You know, I shouldn't be work? angry at that. Did that ever take the feeling away for you? For like a few hours. I have a short attention span, so I thought it was just <laughs> me. But, you know, I thought I was failing at it. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's like I tried to tell myself not to feel that way, but when I ended up feeling that way, I was like, right. "Man, I failed to tell myself I shouldn't feel that way." Man, right? And so then you feel yeah, like a that's exactly exactly. And so now I'm a double mm-hmm. failure because now I'm looking at myself like, "Why did I fail in the first place?" Then I'm looking at myself again mm-hmm. like, "Why am I like this?" Mm-hmm. So it's like, yeah, just a system of 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 I can't get right no matter what, and so I'm gonna have to do something to just alleviate whatever internal pain or. Or, or um or or resentment or you know shame that I'm feeling and experiencing right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and and but even saying I can't get right that implies that what you're feeling is wrong, and even that you know is is it, it's in that it's in that same wheelhouse of I shouldn't be feeling this. You know, like when people when people you know come to therapy and they're like you know fix me. It's like well that implies that you're broken. 
And if something is broken, that means that it's like purposeless and cannot be used and cannot be effective. And is that what you're saying? Do you feel like you can't be effective if you're saying that that you're broken? And I, and I, I just, I just don't believe that. Maybe you (laughs) you don't know how to properly, you know, like use this tool with all of its functions, or maybe you're using it like, you know, with the wrong accessory, but to say like, I need to fix or that it's broken or it's this, you know, even just that narrative that, uh, if we're not perfect, that we're broken is so harmful. That's something I'm very concerned about in the coming Um, in the coming generations, just not like saying the next generation. I'm just saying the entire world in the future is going to be so confused about their identity to some point on, on some level that they won't be able to separate themselves from their moments. Mm -hmm. And that's something that I'm learning is extremely important as I get older Mm -hmm. is you are not the moment that you feel something. It's right. like the experience that you're having, the emotion that you're having, the anger that you feel. It's like this is not the summation of who you are. And so we often take things that are much smaller than they actually or Yeah, that, that are actually very small and make them much bigger than they actually need to be. Because like we just are. It's like when we're kids and we, we you know, we're watching TV shows. It's just like when I watch Batman, I'm not just watching Batman. Batman is now my entire identity. It's mm-hmm. like, you know, everything about us, when we find something that we like, it's like we gravitate to it, we latch on it, and we try to mold into it. And so when it comes to um, our experience with our emotions, often we take that or, or, you know, how we feel about shame or how we feel about what we've done. It's like we take that and it's just like now, whatever it is, like because I've experienced shame, I am now a shameful person. You know, this is now my, my my tag. This is my idea. This is my face. I'm presenting to the world. It's like a scarlet letter. You know, everybody sees it on me. And so when I see it on myself or I see myself that way, then I'm also going to approach other people as if I see myself that way. This Absolutely. includes our relationship with God. It's because like now it's like God is looking at you and he sees himself when you are looking at God and you think that he sees shame. It's like you and God aren't even looking at the same person, even though you're both mm-hmm. looking at you and trying yeah. to reconcile that is difficult for us because we often don't know how to accept how God views us above how we view ourselves. Mm-hmm. And there's a yeah. barrier there because for some people we can view, we, and it's, it's like, this is, this is the chain of command. Like we, we, we see what other people view us as, but we see God's opinion as more important than theirs. Mm-hmm. You know, you see me as a loser, but God sees me as a winner. So God can jump that step easily. God is bigger than my haters. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So when I make that step, it's cool. And so I'm, I'm I'm accepting of the fact that God is bigger than other people's opinions. But how often is God's opinion bigger than our own? Hmm. Because he can be bigger than their opinion. But is God's opinion bigger than what I think of myself? Huh. Interesting. I don't know. I think so. A, a few things. It's. As you were talking, I realized like when we get older, we we stop. I think we stop identifying or de- ourselves or defining ourselves by our the positive things, but more so by the negative. You know, mm-hmm. uh, like if if you're like, oh, tell me about you, or how would you know? If you're first meeting somebody, like what should they know about you? Ooh, I'm a lot. They, whoever, like you should know. <laughs> like I can be okay. I can be kind of out there. Like you know that that's that's the first thing. But what about like I'm actually really ambitious. And, uh, I, 
I love really hard and I'm very passionate. Like what about all of that too, you know? And we just, we pay so much attention to our, uh, the pitfalls and we pay more attention to the negative things, right? So what lens are you viewing yourself through? And, um, you know, I, I talk about this a lot when we talk about comparison, you know, when it's like if you're comparing, if you're comparing through a lens of deficit that you're only going to see what you don't have and what the other person does have. But if you're comparing or looking at yourself uh, through a lens of, of abundance or through a lens of grace, then you're going to see yourself very differently. So I think the question is how, like, how do you want to see yourself? You know, because we're always going to look for evidence of what we believe. So if you believe that you're a failure, you're going to look for all the evidence of ways that you're not doing things perfect to validate the fact that you're a failure. So I think we have much more choice in the matter than we realize. How do you want to see yourself? Okay. And then where's the evidence to to prove that, you know, this goes into the whole conversation about, you know, like self-esteem and confidence and all of that. Like, I, I, I think that we just have so much more control than we think. And a big part of anxiety is feeling out of control. And really it comes down to, well, you're trying to control the things that don't belong to you, but you actually have a lot of things that you can control yeah. if you were to actually like sit, sit and, and think about it. So even in the conversation about, you know, like is God's view of me uh, more important than, than my own? Well, I, I mean, it should be, I guess, but shouldn't your opinion of yourself be close to God's opinion of you? Like, if God is going to see him in you, why are you choosing not to see him in you? Come on, somebodies. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Sorry. Go ahead. Well, well, no, but I, I, I think that that's, I think that's real. And we, we, we put a lot on other people's perception sometimes. Uh, and so much so that like other people's perception informs our own of ourself. You know, everyone, people have told me that I'm this, so therefore I must be this. Or people, I, I feel like people think this way about me. Like that's what it is a lot. I feel like y'all think I'm a square. So maybe I am a square, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and so then when I meet somebody, oh, I'm kind of a square, but I'm still a good time. Right? Like, okay. <laughs> says who? Like, has anybody ever come up to you and said, Ooh, you're such a square. Like, no, they actually haven't when you think about it. Right? So you're going to find the evidence for that. Like, and so is other people's opinions of you uh, informing your own? And when are you thinking about God's opinion of you again? Like, where is God in that? Where is he? If, if, if God is an afterthought, then no, his opinion isn't uh, as, as big or more important than other people's. If his is an afterthought, if you have to remember, oh yeah, what does God think about me? Or if somebody has to remind you, well, what about, you know, then we need to reprioritize or reorder some things. But I think that's that's a, a part of, of our own personal work that we can do. What lens am I viewing myself through? Am I viewing myself through the lens of other people's perception or am I viewing myself through a lens uh, of God's perception? If I'm viewing myself through a lens of how God sees me, then I'm going to see God in me. And so, okay, y'all say what you want to say. I'm going to start introducing myself like Ricky Bobby. Well, first, I'd like to say I'm the best there is. <laughs> I mean, yeah. kind of like, listen, if, if you uh, if, if, if we're made, if, 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 if we were made in God's image, think about it. If we were made in God's image, did that change somewhere along the line? Like as I got older, I just got, you know, less and less. Uh, it, I, I'm not in his image anymore because now I'm a failure. And so therefore I'm not that anymore. Like that has actually never changed. Maybe that got buried under all of the feelings and all the anxiety and all of everything else, but that's still there. And I, I absolutely like the the fact that you said that I was literally opening my mouth to say, 
um, that exactly just 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 about how we how we view ourselves, how we value ourselves mm-hmm. when it comes to God's perspective of us. Because mm-hmm. if you are a person that on any level, regardless of your particular faith system, if you believe on any level that God is alive in you or you are accessing God, then that is evidence in and of itself. That's the 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 statement. That's the foundation. That's the core that you need to 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 convince yourself or remind yourself that you are of eternal value. Mm-hmm. It's like whatever it is, like even if even if everybody else, even if I believe that I'm nothing, if I believe on any level that God is alive in me, then that says mm-hmm. something about at least what God continues to entrust me with, because mm-hmm. you don't give things to people that you don't believe they can retain. And right. so if God believes that he can speak or he can live or he can, you know, do or, or, or give peace or joy, it's just like if I'm in the way of what God knows he can already do, then there's mm-hmm. only one barrier here. And that barrier, you know, isn't the thing outside. The barrier mm-hmm. is me. The mm-hmm. barrier is my conviction. And so if it's just, you know, let's say um, like we've been talking about anxiety and I consider God to be powerful or more powerful than I am. It's like God isn't just the God over the people who are um who are neutral. Hmm. Like God is the God of also the people who are afraid. Mm-hmm. He's the God of people that are terrified even. He's the God of people that are confused. He's the God of the 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 the, the unsure. He's the God of. Right. And so if you never allow yourself to be that person in front of God for whatever mm-hmm. reason, then you're never going to see what God can do with that thing. Because mm-hmm. we can be anxious or we can be, you know, have that feeling of anxiety about things. But when you understand that God is willing to work his self in you, it's just like, you know what? All right. I am feeling this way, but something can be done about it. Mm-hmm. You know, something I can I can still take a step. It's like I can be a little bit, uh, but at the same time, I can still progress. And God is entirely pleased with that. Mm-hmm. You know, it's yeah. just like the only thing I needed you to do was come here. That was it. Uh, yeah. At the risk of sounding churchy with it. But it's like when it comes to how we view our proximity to God in these matters, anxiety is just something that we learn not just how to live with, I would say, but we learn that when we continue to move while it's present, it becomes less prevalent, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's just like when I, w- I was reading a book, there was a book that released a few years ago called The Rise of Superman. Have Not you heard familiar. of it? No. Anyway, in short, it's about how elite athletes reach extreme, extreme, extreme um, heights. Like they're doing things in 10 years, what it took world history 100 years to do. Mm-hmm. And so in that conversation, basically, they were explaining that um, when you do something so frequently, and when you move in a certain way for so long, you start doing it subconsciously. Mm-hmm. And of course, we know that is just habit. But mm-hmm. when extreme athletes do it, it means they have experienced not just a habitual thing, but they have had habitual experiences with tough situations. And mm-hmm. I thought that was interesting because yeah. they don't just have habits. They are familiar with things being hard. So they mm-hmm. expect if they're a swimmer for the waves to be rough. They expect mm-hmm. if they're a, a mountain climber for the snow to be freezing. They're expecting that and they familiarize themselves with it to the point where it's not like snow isn't cold anymore, but I'm so familiar with cold snow that I can still climb and do it. And I've learned mm-hmm. that when you've learned how to keep walking in the presence of God and with your anxieties, you learn that anxiety doesn't necessarily go away. But as you climb, you learn how to manage more and keep moving forward. There's going to be new levels of anxiety with everything that you do and experience. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, you're going to also learn that I am resilient enough mm-hmm. to keep the feeling from overtaking me. And mm-hmm. I think that level of confidence spiritually is an incredible, incredible moment. 
because we're yeah. learning in that moment that it's just like, you know what? I do feel this way, but I can press on. And I think that that's better than me telling myself that I don't need to feel this way because it's yeah. different to overcome something. Oh, ab- absolutely. We, 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 th- we want to get rid of it. It's like, I can't do this thing until I don't feel anxious about it anymore. But the reason that you feel anxious about it is because you don't know how it's going to go. So the only way by that logic, the only way to get rid of it is to move forward and see how it goes. And we don't have to wait until we're not afraid before we do things, do it and do it afraid. You're still doing it though. And the big part of, of our anxiety is our self doubt. All right. Like, I'm worried about this thing because I don't know if I have what it takes to overcome it or to get through it. I have a big uh, presentation tomorrow. I'm really nervous because I'm not good at public speaking. I get nervous in front of crowds. I might forget my lines. It's all about how you feel about yourself that really feeds into that feeling. So that's not going to go away before your presentation tomorrow. (laughs) <laughs> but you still don't have to do it. <laughs> you know what I mean? And then you're going to get to the end of the presentation and you're always going to say it wasn't as bad as I thought. Like how many times has the worst case scenario that you came up with? How many times have you ever come face to face with that worst case scenario? So hold, hold on, though, because my experiences be backwards because I bomb stuff that I expected to go really well. Well, that's a different you know, question. then. That, listen, that's a different question. I ain't say nothing about that. What I'm saying is <laughs> when your anxiety keeps you up at night and when you are coming up with these colorful scenarios about what's going to go wrong and they're all imaginary. That's why I tell people too, like, you know, this is imaginary, right? Like, OK, all right, cool. You come up with these really colorful imaginary scenarios about what's going to go terribly wrong. The worst case scenario, have you ever seen it? Has the worst case scenario that you came up with ever actually happened? Probably not. I mean, I know for me and it hasn't. Even if, yeah, and even if it has, what are the odds? Well, and, and, and if it if it has, it's, it's never as bad as you thought it was. Or it, does, it doesn't feel as painful as you thought it would feel. True. So... True. Like, yes, you, we, we have to do the thing anyway. Like, we have to be afraid and do it anyway. And then that's how you show yourself, like, okay, maybe I am more capable than I thought, but that's also how you sh- how you remind yourself that God is bigger than your anxiety. But if you don't do the thing because you're anxious or nervous about it, then what are you saying about God? And ironically, you're, I think the experience is, the experience that you have is never as bad as you think just by virtue of the fact that you survived it. Yeah. Yes, it's, definitely. It's like, you know, it's like, even if like, it's like mm, that, that still didn't go well. It's like, but, but, but I'm still here. Yeah. Like, maybe, still, maybe it like, didn't go great, but oh, it went. <laughs> it. Oh, all right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. And I honestly like, um, Kanye actually gave me my word for the week. We're not going into the entire Kanye situation. Don't okay. do that. Don't do that. I just it just it just happened to be him. We're not. Okay. That's not the conversation. Okay. All right. I don't want to. I don't want okay. to. But right. when it comes to he. But anyway, the, the 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 post was. He said I lost. He said I lost. I think he said I lost two billion and I'm still alive. I was mm-hmm. like, wait a second, wait a second, wait a second, mm-hmm. because that was a very very real statement. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the fact that we sacrifice absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. absolutely everything to survive. Mm-hmm. And I say survive because most of our anxiety comes with our survival. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's my job. It's my food situation. It's my relationships. It's the things that I pretty much are essential to my life. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And so it's like when we consider what's at the, towards the top of that list, yeah, stability, financial stability is one of those things. We would like to be well off. And so like to hear him say, even though we know he's still like rich beyond measure, uh, mm-hmm. it's 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 to 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 hear him say like I really spent my entirety of the entirety of my life amassing this wealth. I just lost the majority of it, but I'm still okay. Mm-hmm. It's like you know, it's like I know he has you know his his things, but for us, it's just like. We there's there are people that literally have already lived out our dreams mm-hmm. and lost our dreams in one lifetime. Mm-hmm. Like did our, our 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 entire goal of life three times over, and it's just like they came up and then they dropped to the bottom, and then they came up and they dropped to the bottom, and it's just like on every level, it's just like you know yeah. what I've been broke before, I'm fine. Mm-hmm. It's like I can give everything that I have, it's fine. I like I'll survive. It's like it's and so just by virtue of that experience, you start to develop a resilience in your anxiety that shows it's just like anxiety can have its presence, but it doesn't have to control me. And I know mm-hmm. that sounded very like uh, 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 antidepressant commercial-ish, but <laughs> when it comes to <laughs> learning resilience, at some point you have to acknowledge that emotions do stick around, you know, and you just can't always control it. Well, yeah, I, I think they, they come, they come around. And they, they, they come and they go just like a lot of other things, yeah. right? And like life is not linear. It doesn't just keep, you know, getting better and better and better every day. Like it'll be great and you'll you see the highest of highs and then the next day the lowest of lows and then you'll be in the middle and then you'll be low and then you'll be high again. Then you'll be higher, then you'll be a little bit less, but not all. like it's just it's 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 moving, it's it's fluid, it's 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 up and down all the time. So you could be as careful as you wanna be and you're still gonna come to hard things. We cannot avoid hard things in life. It's it's just a part of, of being here. And a lot of our anxiety comes down to wanting to avoid the hard things, uh, wanting to avoid the, the scary things. But even if you avoid the, the scary thing that you're thinking about now, you're going to come into contact with another scary thing later, you know? And that comes back to the conversation about control. We cannot control or predict the future as much as we would want to. So I think the sooner that we recognize, acknowledge, and accept that, then we can focus on the things that we can control, which is, okay, I'm feeling this way. I'm feeling this anxiety. What am I going to do with it? Am I going to keep it by myself? Am I going to give it to God? Can I pray about it? Uh, Or am I going to ignore it because I feel ashamed that I feel this way at all? Am I going to beat myself up about it and say, you know, buck up and you just got to be stronger? Like, am I going to tell myself that I'm being weak or am I going to just continue to overthink and worry about this thing? Like, even though, so acknowledging that, like, we're going to have hard things anyway, I think it frees up more space to focus on the things that are well within your control. And when we spend our time and energy on the things that are within our control, then that is going to have such a bigger impact than worrying about things that you can't control because all you're doing is worrying about it. You're not actually actively doing anything about it. You're, you're just worrying about it. So like spending that energy, refocusing that energy elsewhere is always going to benefit you more. So keeping that in mind as well, I, I think will be helpful. So like anxiety is a part of life. You're going to feel it just because you feel it doesn't mean that you're a bad person or that you're a failure. It's typically about things that are beyond your control and that are hypothetical anyway. God is already with you in the anxiety. So talk to him while you're there and then refocus on the things that are within your control and let everything else play out the way it's supposed to. You heard it here first, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> 
honestly, I do want to end with that because I feel like that was a nice. You like my little summation there? I really did. I really did, <laughs> and I feel like I'd be doing it a disservice if I add if I tried to add more. Um, because I really appreciate the way you've broken down this conversation and this topic, um, because I really do think that in order to get to the bottom of how we're experiencing life, we have to talk about it or at least address it on some level. Mm-hmm. You know, some things we notice change over time without our touching them, but other things we have to actually get into the conversations of. And I think anxiety is one of those things, mm-hmm. especially, especially as it pertains to the Bible. And mm-hmm. to scripture and to and to faith, because people who are of faith that experience anxiety often don't know how to emotionally and mentally approach that. Because mm-hmm. now it's just like if I acknowledge is if I acknowledge my anxiety, then I'm, it's almost like I'm acknowledging my sin and mm-hmm. you can't work through it when you've already felt condemned by it. So, mm-hmm. um, Camille, thank you again, always for your, your contribution um thank you guys for for continuing to listen and to tune in and to be a part of the conversation and as we uh wrap up our second instagram live mm-hmm. um i want to again thank you guys for your support on the last and also uh contributing to this one um so uh, camille any other thoughts any no i i don't think so i think just um Anxiety is a part of the human experience. And what I said earlier about God wouldn't give us the capacity to experience the full spectrum of human emotion if he didn't expect us to feel it. So there's no shame in how you feel. It's what you do with the feeling. So feel what you feel and give it to God. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And with that, if you guys (laughs) would go with me as we go to God in a word of prayer, let's get the prayer. Our Lord and our God, again, we thank you so much for blessing us with this opportunity to have this conversation. We thank you for the space and time that we have, and we thank you for everything that you continue to do to bless us, even though we experience anxiety. Lord, even though we feel the feelings of of stress and we feel the pressure of the day-to-day and everything that we do isn't always something that we prepared for, Father. So, Lord, we're asking that you continue to be with us as we leave our anxiety at your feet. Father, we understand how we feel, but Lord, we know that you can help. And so, Lord, we're asking for your help. And so, Lord, we ask that you continue to watch over us, keep us, bless us, lead us. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you again. Um, To those listening, uh, we look forward to conversing with you in some capacity. Um, I want to, of course, remind you all that my email, uh, I'll hide it from y'all, it's lsims at northsidecoc.church. So I dare you to use it. I dare you because I'm going (laughs) to forward it to Camille. Uh, So with that, um, thank you guys again. May God bless you and may God keep you. Bye, y'all. Thanks for listening. Again, we thank you for joining us. And if you have any questions, concerns, or thoughts, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at church at northsidecoc.church or on our social media pages on Facebook at Northside Church of Christ, the one in Riverside, or on Instagram at live.peaceably.